Yeah, I saw that you mentioned, so there's like mild forms, there's like medium, and then there's severe. Like what would be the differences between these? Um, So that's in terms of sleep. So I guess one of the biggest things that I was educated on, um, and I share with all my families, all my parents, is that snoring and breathing through your mouth is not normal. Like Mm -hmm. it's very, very common, but it's actually mild disease. So when you're when you hear a baby or a child breathing at night and you can hear that loud, heavy breathing and they're breathing through their mouth, that is like in a continuum, the earliest signs of mild disease. And at the other end of the spectrum is severe sleep apnea Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of in the middle is snoring and mild sleep apnea. So if you're going to um, bring this up to your pediatrician and go get a sleep study at the ENTs, they'll do a test and, you know, tell you, okay, well, you have just snoring, not a big deal. Um, Or you have mild sleep apnea, which would mean you stop breathing for a kid like four to five times an hour, which is so many times that they're not getting oxygen to their brain and really disrupting their sleep, their, their whole body, their whole nervous system, their growth, their learning parts of the brain, Um, develop when they sleep. So even though that's mild sleep apnea, like that to me is huge and needs to be treated. Um, Hi guys, I'm your host, Megan Van Diepender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard and we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. So everyone out there listening in today, we have Kate Chatney here with us. Did I say your last name right? Um, close. It's Chatney. Chatney. Okay. So the G is like silent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> My last name is super hard, so I always like to ask and make sure that I'm saying it right. Uh, but Kate is a speech pathologist right here in the Capital Region, and she works with babies all the way to adults. Um, and you also specialize in, and I'm probably going to butcher this as well, so correct me where I'm wrong, orofacial myofunctional therapy. Am I saying it right? That's right. You got it. Okay. Um, so I can't wait to dive into this because this is just so interesting, especially with my profession and what I do. Um, but Kate, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit, bit about you? Who is Kate? <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate. Um, I'm actually from Gilderland. I grew up in the Capital Region. Uh, I moved to California for a while, and then I came back here um, to start a family. So I've been here, back here for at least 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And how many kids do you have? I have two kids. Grace is nine. Eli is seven. Okay. Um, And you said you met – oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? It's very busy with them. They're at a fun age. I bet. Yeah. Do they do a lot of sports and stuff? Yeah, um, Grace is doing softball, and Eli does everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. So my daughter's eight, and I always thought I'd be less busy, like, the older she got. But now I feel like I'm even more busy in a different way than when they were, like, babies. But, um, yeah, I feel like every day there's something after school or, you know, soccer tournaments, all that. It's fun, though. It's fun stuff. It's just, yeah, it's it's busy. So I can only imagine with two because I only have one. Um, Kate, your camera's frozen. I just wanted to 
Um, am I frozen on? Oh, there you're moving now. Okay. All right. You're good. It was frozen for like a couple minutes, but you're moving again. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so back to your family. So you said you met your husband in California. Now, did you go to school out in California or what brought you out there? Um, so actually my undergrad degree is in business and I moved out to California to work. I worked in San Francisco, um, in commercial real estate (laughs) for a while. Okay. And that's where I met my husband and decided to go back to school. Um, and I did go to grad school out in California. Okay. Now what brought you on your journey towards speech pathology and like working with children and whatnot? Um, well, when I went back to grad school, it was for speech. So I kind of, in that interim, I became a yoga teacher and really wanted to help people. Uh, my grandmother actually had a stroke and was in the hospital working with a speech pathologist. And I was like, oh, that seems like a very rewarding career. Hmm. Um, that was kind of the reason I went down that path. And then you get so much experience doing all your internships and clinicals. I, you know, knew I wanted to work with children. That's great. Um, now, you had mentioned that your son had a problem when he was born with a tongue tie, right? So now you were already a speech pathologist when this happened, right? <laughs> now, um, I know I feel like tongue ties have gotten like more and more common. Did you know anything about this like when he was born? No. And at that time, I hadn't done all this additional training in orofacial myofunctional therapy or feeding, really. Um, I did know that it was impacting his nursing. So we did have um, the phrenectomy. We did have a tongue tie release when he was a baby. Okay. Now, what happened after that? So you noticed the tongue tie because he wasn't eating right, right? So um, when it was released, did everything just kind of resolve itself? Or what did you have to do after that? Um, so it seemed to, absolutely. Um, the nursing, it wasn't painful anymore. He was eating enough and um, gaining weight. So it, was, it seemed like it helped everything. The kind of in hindsight, now that I know more, I should have taken him and or done it myself, done oral facial, technically feeding for instance, um, therapy okay. at that time. Because even though his nursing was okay, his tongue wasn't resting at the roof of his mouth. And kind of that led a trajectory of his development. So like, now he's older, and a whole bunch of other things kind of had domino affected. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would love to hear more about the domino effect. But before we get into that, um, so when this happened to your son, did this kind of push you more towards working with younger children to help prevent these, this domino effect from happening? Yeah, absolutely. It did. Okay. So then you went and got additional training to be able to work with babies and and on this specific specialization? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, okay. It's all post-grad. Like you have to get okay. specially trained, but yeah. Okay. It was my for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I bet that was really hard for you as a mom too. I mean, I know personally in my sleep practice, I definitely come across that a lot. Um, not even just with children too. I mean, with adults that maybe never had it addressed and they don't breathe properly now. Um, but I do, I feel like I hear about tongue ties, cheek ties, um, lip ties, uh, pretty often, um, which is kind of scary. Is there a reason why that happens? Um, it's basically in the embryo, the, um, tissue doesn't get absorbed completely. So that's why that frenum still exists. And there's different, uh, research about the MTHR, uh, gene or, just hereditary issues, mm. but um, 
maybe folic acid absorption. There's different theories, but okay. there's no, I don't really know exactly why it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is the effect on babies when this happens? So um, specifically tongue ties? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Or, yeah. So um, a lot of times I'll see babies who are have limited tongue mobility or they're having um, difficulty nursing. And it can be from a tongue tie. It can be from some other reasons. And kind of one of the reasons they come to me is so I can do an assessment and figure out um, what's happening functionally functionally and see what we need to do to treat it. So sometimes it involves um, the laser surgery to release the tongue tie, and sometimes it's just therapy to improve the tongue. Um, but either way, we need to get the tongue functioning so that mm. it can rest up in the palate, and that's really the breathing and sleep part, whereas there's also the um, feeding part. Okay. Yeah, I saw that you mentioned, so there's like mild forms, there's like medium, and then there's severe. Like what would be the differences between these? Um, So that's in terms of sleep. So I guess one of the biggest things that I was educated on, um, and I share with all my families, all my parents, is that snoring and breathing through your mouth is not normal. Like Mm -hmm. it's very, very common, but it's actually mild disease. So when you're, when you hear a baby or a child breathing at night and you can hear that loud, heavy breathing and they're breathing through their mouth, that is like in the continuum, the earliest signs of mild disease. And at the other end of the spectrum is severe sleep apnea Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of in the middle is snoring and mild sleep apnea. So if you're going to, um, bring this up to your pediatrician and go get a sleep study at the ENTs, they'll do a test and, you know, tell you, okay, well, you have just snoring, not a big deal. Um, Or you have mild sleep apnea, which would mean you stop breathing for a kid like four to five times an hour, which is so many times that they're not getting oxygen to their brain and really disrupting their sleep, their their whole body, their whole nervous system, their growth, their learning, parts of the brain um, develop when they sleep. So even though that's mild sleep apnea, like that to me is huge and needs to be treated. Um, And in healthcare right now, they wait until severe disease. Right, right. It's not preventative, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when you're working with a child and they're not breathing correctly, now, do you think it always comes from like a problem or is it because they observe adults, you know, breathing that way? Like why does a child not breathe through their nose? I guess my question is. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> well, you should be born breathing through your nose. Right. And then something has to happen. So either maybe it's a tongue tie that's pulling your mouth and jaw open um, just because of gravity. Um, when you're sleeping, then your tongue can fall into your airway. So you're going to push it out by opening your mouth. Um, it could be that your nose is stuffy or your nose is small and mom and dad are trying to suction your nose, but it's still stuffy. Um, in older kids, it could even be like you get a pet and the child has allergies and you're not aware of that and they can't breathe through their nose anymore. And now, now it becomes a habit. And then the way their whole face grows changes. And now it's the only way they can breathe because things have changed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's different reasons, um, 
Yeah. But yeah, because yeah, I mean, I, my I, daughter breathes through her mouth, and I have had her checked for everything, and they're like, no, she's she's fine. You know, her adenoids are fine, her tonsils are fine. She's no tongue tie. Um, I mean, I know personally, like as an adult, I was breathing through my mouth years ago, and I had to train myself to rebreathe through my nose. Now, is that what you do for children too? Can you? rework that into better habits for their breathing? Absolutely. Yeah. We would start with, you know, seeing what's going on. So if all of those things have been ruled out, um, I look to the tongue. Is it resting low in the mouth or suction to the palate? Because if your tongue is suctioned to your palate where it should be, you can't breathe through your mouth. You have to breathe through your nose. So that's kind of what we establish muscle-wise. And once that's habituated and just become the new pattern, um, the nasal breathing becomes the new habit. So that takes some adjustment. A lot of times if you're breathing through your mouth, um, your nose kind of dries out and becomes harder to breathe through. Mm. Your body gets used to more oxygen, a different mix of nitric oxide. Um, So it does take some adjustment and we do specific exercises for that as well. Okay. I might have to bring in my daughter because I tell, I'm like, close your mouth, breathe through your nose, you know, but it's like so much easier said than done. I mean, I had to like tape my mouth at night to really train myself. And, you know, now it's just like natural. Um, you know, I ran a marathon breathing through my nose. I exercise breathing through my, you know, it's like, it's just, it yeah. feels so much better than breathing through your mouth. Now, what are the benefits of like, I know we're naturally supposed to breathe through our nose. Like, why is this better for us? Um. Well, it leads to better jaw growth. So if your tongue is up in your palate, breathing through your nose, um, it keeps the the floor of your nose, the roof of your mouth wide so that all your teeth have space. And the bottom jaw kind of follows that. Um, so for jaw growth would be one. Um, filtering the air through our nose and the cilia in our nose is better for breathing and filtering out um, bacteria and pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, having our tongue to our palate stimulates the vagus nerve, which is our rest and relax. Um, parasympathetic, so you need that for restorative sleep, um, reduction in anxiety. <sighs> when you're mouth breathing and eating, you can have other issues such as like prolonged chewing that can lead to GI mm-hmm. issues. So there really is like a host of issues when you just think like, oh, they have a bad habit of breathing through their mouth. Right. Well, you're you're almost in um, fight or flight, right? When you're breathing through your mouth, it's like a, a stressful thing, not like when you're just naturally breathing through your nose. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I found that even like in my workouts that it definitely helps my sleep, no doubt about it. But being more calm, you know, and like having intentional breathing through my nose while working out really helped not feel like it was such a um, – stressful, you know, even if it was like a long run or something, you know, I just felt so much better in my body, much calmer. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's lots of athletes who train to nasal breathe. And then that's like a sign of great function, right? You can tell the boxers who are getting tired, they start to mouth breathe, you know, they're going to lose the match or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can probably pick that out while you're, you're watching. (laughs) You can really win some, some bets on that one. (laughs) Um, so what are, as moms, like, what can we look for? You know, I obviously noticed it in my child because it's like constant now, but when she was little, she never did it. So I thought it was almost like, um, something she observed and kind of just grew into a habit. Like what should we be looking for in our children to catch it early? Yeah. I I mean, treating it early is the best way to do it. Obviously there's any age that you can fix it, but as 
children, what we look for is, um, you know, if their mouth is open, that's a sign that they definitely need something addressed. But you could also see even earlier, like, are the baby teeth um, spaced out or are they coming in close together? Because if they're touching, that's a sign that the jaw isn't developing correctly. Um, hmm. okay. Baby's mouth should have teeth with space in between for the adult teeth to come in. Okay. Um, they grow. Um, any difficulty eating, lots of drooling okay. um, as little ones. I thought you said picky eating. Did you say picky eating? Yes, absolutely. So why picky eating? That usually is more related to a tongue tie, but it can be um, just related to low tongue tone and low tongue um, muscle. But if you're having um, food that you're not able to move around in your mouth and create like the right Mm. kind of bolus to swallow, a lot of times you, you gag, especially with the tongue tie. Um, you can have food go down before you're ready. You just have poor control. And then a lot of <laughs> excuse sorry. me, I see, um, becomes behavioral because you've had these bad experiences with maybe almost choking okay. or, or, you know, food just is tiring and hard to eat. Um, oh that's into picky eating. That's or if horrible. You get air in your belly and then that doesn't feel so good. Yeah. So. Um, do you get a lot of kids that come to you older that still have a tongue tie from when they were born? Yes. Really? Okay. That's, um, so we should be looking for all this stuff when they're our babies. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you can catch something as a baby, then it's so much easier to get them on the right track for healthy growth and development. Um, but if you notice something later on, it can be fixed and the sooner, the better as adults, um, our jaws are more, they're harder to move, right? You would right. need surgery or something more um, permanent done yeah. <laughs> like with the orthodontists and surgeons. But as a child, your bones aren't fused yet. So it's easier to expand and use your tongue as a natural expander to help with growth. Okay. Now, uh, in your son's like kind of journey through this, so he has fully recovered from all of that now? as a night he's oh seven seven years old yeah we're almost there <laughs> okay I mean I'm sure just like this is your job so you're probably like in tune to every single little <laughs> thing that's happening um what are some of the things that he had to overcome if, if you don't mind me asking that's a great question um so with him I saw kind of all the classic signs he had a small jaw he um small little nose small face uh, speech always sounded mumbly he was very drooly um, and so we started noticing like, oh, all these things are signs that something in his facial growth isn't working. Um, and I, at, since he had had a tongue tie as a baby at this stage of my career, I knew that he needed some tongue exercises. So we mm-hmm. started with that, um, and he did really well, but he just had some physical limitations. So we got his tongue to be able to go up, but there wasn't enough space up there. So he had to get expansion, which you know, for a, a little kid yeah. isn't normal around here, but his um, palate got so wide so quickly. It was amazing to see how like just malleable he is. Okay. Um, and he was able to get his tongue up, but he was still having really severe sleep apnea. Um, so the ENTs, you know, are very conservative, didn't want to do surgery, which I didn't necessarily want surgery if he didn't need it. Mm. Um, so that's why we tried the expansion. He actually used a, it's called a reverse face mask. So it's like a headgear, but it pulls 
the maxilla, the upper jaw forward hmm. um, to give more room to his airway. And so we tried that as well. Um, but as a mom, like I could check on him at night and he, I could just hear him gasping for air. I could hear him okay. stop breathing. Yeah. So I, I knew we had to get his tonsils and adenoids out. Okay. That's um, horrible. And this all had to do, it came from the tongue tie as a baby? Yeah, I mean, there's no way to go back and say that that's the cause, but um, all those kind of things that happen are, are predictable. So right. since his tongue was low, um, didn't have the muscles to keep it up, everything, nothing grew the way it was supposed to grow. His tongue was down. Um, his oh. tongue was. And no you caught it early too, right? The tongue tie. Yeah. I mean, if I, so now when babies get tongue tie releases, they go for a therapy, right? Well, mm -hmm. Technically before the release and then after so that they can get that tongue resting in the right spot Yes, after the release. Okay. I mean, have that piece. So I feel like if that, okay, that could have changed everything, right? Okay. I, I'll never know. Um, so they released the tongue tie, but they didn't give his tongue therapy, like exercises <laughs> after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, but he's come a long way now, right? You said? Yeah. I mean, now he is doing so much better. He's not such a picky eater. And what I was really worried about was like the impulsivity. He He's a little boy, you know, brave yeah. and bold, but he was having a really hard time with behaviors and he would like do something and almost as he was doing it, realize like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. And then he would feel really like self oh. mad at himself. And I yeah. was like, oh, buddy, it's your fault you're not sleeping your frontal lobe isn't developing like you yeah. it's not your fault yeah um, that was a big thing I didn't want it to become you know a mental health issue as well right so. right well and I think you said too like I mean which I obviously know from seeing kids with lack of sleep that it, it comes out as ADHD behavior or even just behavioral issues when kids aren't sleeping correctly they you know they don't they're overactive, they're hyperactive, or they act like they're hyperactive um, because they are not getting the rest that they need and they're running on fumes. So is that another thing that we could look for to have, you know, their breathing checked? Or like what could parents really – because it's not even just about tongue ties, right? This is about breathing. Like I said, my daughter doesn't have a tongue tie, but her breathing is not correct. Um, so should we be looking for that, like mouth breathing, checking them while they're sleeping if they're making noise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a study that showed ADHD and sleep disordered breathing, so mouth breathing, um, have the same symptoms. And the only way to distinguish the two is to rule out a sleep disordered breathing. So in Europe, you have to have a sleep test if you're getting an ADHD diagnosis. Mm. Um, here, there's a wonderful psychologist I work with who you know, will recommend they come see me to at least rule this out or go to the NT and get a sleep study yes. if he notices any mouth breathing or parents report any mouth breathing or snoring. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's huge because I, I do think, um, or at least even just like doing research about it, ADHD is overdiagnosed and they, they look over that fact of is the child sleeping? I mean, I think just in our country too, like sleep is just not prioritized. Um, mm -hmm the way it should be like it is how you you know it's a necessity just like eating drinking breathing you have to sleep you know if you go for a long enough time without it you you'll die so it's a biological need um so yeah that's huge so I think you know just 
checking our kids breathing like so where would we go from there so like I have my daughter she's mouth breathing should I bring her to you like what should we do use me as an example (laughs) absolutely um we you can self-refer for an evaluation just go to my website and fill out a form Um, we usually reach out to the pediatrician to get a prescription Um, if you want to use insurance we just keep that on file but yeah we would do an assessment just to see, you know, sometimes it is ruled out like, nope, this is not your issue. You're fine. Feeding, speech, breathing is fine. Um, But sometimes there is something we can, you know, identify during our assessment and work on and fix. And then it, it's not always the only part of the solution, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's other factors, but um, it can be, it can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like I said, it made a huge difference in my sleep when I started breathing through my nose, especially at night. Um, so I can't imagine what it would do for children too, because like you said, we're we're born to build to breathe through our nose. It's just somehow we unlearn that along the way, which is unfortunate. Um, I mean, where do you see? You know, how long have you had your business here, Kate? Um. Four years. Okay. So where do you see your business going? Do you want to continue to work with children or what do you see happening, you know, five to 10 years from now? Yeah. I mean, we definitely work with adults as well. Um, I think that that's a newer thing to this area and to be able to have options for adults, I think is great. Um, especially they, they manifest it in like severe sleep apnea, um, orthodontic relapse. So when their teeth have had braces, but then they move out of place, um, and TMJD is a huge one. But okay. so I I appreciate all my adult patients and they definitely need care. But my hope would be, yeah, to see all the kids early so that we don't have to see older kids and older adults anymore because they've right. all been protected. Right. Right. I mean, how do we spread awareness, um, you know, about proper breathing and, uh, you know, kind of taking notice of these things when our kids are little? Like, what is the best thing and easiest way? I mean, obviously, coming on here is great. We can kind of spread the word through. But how do, like, I personally talk to people about this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's because mouth breathing and snoring is so common, people just think it's normal, right? But even though it's common. It's not normal. Yeah. Um, But nowadays, dentists should be screening for um, sleep disordered breathing. So your dentist, you might notice, especially pediatric dentists, they might be asking about sleep um, more and more because it is becoming such a known and researched thing. Um, Teeth and mouth is so much involved that dentists are starting to screen for it. Okay. That's great. I haven't had a dentist ask me about that. I'd be really happy about that because I feel like every time we go, they're like, oh, yeah, your daughter's going to need braces. But I mean, when we're not breathing correctly, that really affects, you already said the palate, but it affects how our teeth come in too, right? Yeah. 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 Maybe I was a good sleeper. I used to have like big spaces in my teeth (laughs) before I had uh, braces. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, I mean, I will definitely be sending a lot because I'm telling the clients that I get, they do not breathe well at night, including adults, not just children. So I'll definitely be sending people your way. Where can we find you, Kate? Oh, that's a great question. I am on Washington Ave Extension. But that's where my office is physically. And then my website is www.chatspeechny.com. Okay. I will link all of that below. And you are taking new patients right now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you so much. This information is incredible. And I, I really think it's going to help so many people out there.
Right. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Kate. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next episode.